Last week, I uh, last week I shared out of Genesis and just talked about uh, knowing God's original intent, design, desire for us, and um, I want to pick back up there. I think it's important. If we, as we understand that his desire has never changed for us, uh, he created, you know, I shared this past week in chapel, and God, and I shared out of Genesis because I think it's so important. If we understand God's original intent and design for us, then it helps us understand why we're here and what he wants to do in us and through us right now while we're here. And so I shared some of what I did last week in chapel this week, and I just, I said, I asked the question, in Genesis, what's the first thing God said wasn't good? For man to be alone. He said he created man, and it was very good. But then when he created, he, he looked at man, and all the animals had pears and every, matches and things like that, and he said, it's not good. Yes, Lord. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. So God's intent is not for us to be alone. It, what we've talked about today, uh, even what we just read out of 2 Peter, add to your uh, to brotherly kindness, love, to love one another. So uh, we looked at Genesis last week. We looked at the garden, this encircled garden. It literally means Eden meant pleasure. The rivers coming into that place were increased, busting forth rapid fruitfulness. That's the, that's the literal meaning of the four rivers that came in to the Garden of Eden. Increase, busting forth, rapid fruitfulness. That's depressing, isn't it? And he put man in the garden. That word put means a place of rest, to cause to rest. So he calls men to rest in the garden. But in that, he said cultivate, which means to work and to serve, and keep, which means to guard. So all of those can sound contradictory, but, you know, it's a reality. It's a reality to serve from rest. That we're not striving to be or to gain. That we can even study the scriptures in rest not striving to try to prove ourselves or find ourselves, but just resting in who he says we are and, and receiving knowledge from a position of rest. So as I was thinking about all that, I, I, it brought me to Mark chapter 12, when Jesus was asked the question, you know, uh, what's the first commandment of all? Mark 12, verse 29, he said, Jesus answered, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. That sounds a little bit like what we sang today, isn't it? Beautiful surrender. God, here's everything. Here's my, I give you my heart, I give you my everything. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no, greater, there's no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said, well said, teacher. <laughs> I guess he felt good about himself. That was a good answer, Jesus. 
You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So Jesus said, all the law is summed up in this, love God and love one another. His original intent in the garden was love God and love each other. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue, bring into subjection the earth in which you live. He said, I've given you authority over all the creatures, over every creeping thing, all the fish in the sea, all the birds in the air. You have authority over all of that. Go be fruitful and multiply. John 10.10 says this, I've come that they might have life and have it how? More abundantly. It sounds a little bit like the Garden of Eden. God's desire for us is to have abundant life. Now, that doesn't mean everyone lives in West Burlington in a half million dollar house and all. It means that everyone lives in the realization of God's love and provision no matter where you are, what stage of life you're in. When we learn to live in that place and be full, then we will be fruitful and we will multiply. Ephesians chapter 1, this is a very important verse to me. It says, the New King James says that we're accepted in the beloved. That word accepted is favored, well-loved. It's the exact same word that was used. The only other time it's used in the New Testament is when it was spoken of Mary, when the angel came to her and he said, Mary, you found favor in the sight of the Lord, that she was going to give birth to, to Jesus. It's the same word, accepted, favored. And that's how we are. Ephesians 1 says that's how we are. That's our position in Jesus, that we're accepted, we're favored, and well-loved. So as I, was, as I shared earlier, as I was thinking about all of that, God's original intent, I've been meditating on that for us, our, his desire for us. It, wasn't to, it was to serve, but it was to serve from a position of rest. That, does that make sense? It's not toiling or striving but it's from a position of rest, of knowing his provision, of knowing his love and his authority in my life and, and loving and living from that position. So as I was meditating on that, I said earlier, Psalms chapter 8, the Lord brought that to me. And I just want to read through it uh, briefly. Well, maybe not so briefly. Psalms 8, verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's our God. I mean, we, we can stop right there. 
I don't have to go into the Hebrew and, and oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. But I will. O oh Lord, is yod heh vav Yahweh, Jehovah, our Lord, Adonai, our covenant God. So he said, oh, I am that I am. Our covenant God, how majestic. And the word majestic means mighty, powerful, and great. How mighty, how powerful, and great is what? Is your name in all the earth. You have given, which literally, you've displayed, which literally means given or set there, your splendor, your grandeur, your beauty above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes is the foundation of might, is what that literally means. I think that's why Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me because of such is the kingdom. Because these babes, the, the faith that they exhibit in their parents, the trust, the rest that they have in that relationship with their father, with their mother... This is an example of what God's desiring for us to walk in every day, that same trust, that same rest. He said it's established strength. Verse 3, when I consider, and the word consider there literally means to see or perceive, to understand your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've ordained or established. What is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? This is David writing. Look at verse 5. You've made him a little lower than God. This is God. Was that not God's original intent in Genesis? To walk and have relationship with God. I mean, look, if God's original intent, listen, stay with me. His original intent was to encounter man on a regular basis, not just be in heaven and one day we get to go see him, but to encounter man. It said that God walked with them in the cool of the day, right? He talked with them, right? That's literal. That's his original intent and design, his desire for us. So we think that that was aborted because man messed up. Nope. Because Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He knows the end from the beginning because he is the Aleph and the Taf. He's the beginning and the end. So he knows the end from the beginning. So he knew it was going to happen, but it didn't change his desire and design and intent for us. And that is for us to walk in intimacy and communion and communication with him. That's God's desire for us. And he said here, this is Old Testament. I'm telling you, I love David. I think the reason David was a man after God's own heart is because David had a New Testament revelation of who God really was and God's intent and desire for man. And that's why David created a tabernacle that didn't have curtains and, and all these things. It was just surrounded by worship and praise. It was surrounded by musicians and singers. And if we think that's not important today, we're misguided. Because he said, that's the tabernacle I'm going to rebuild is David's. It's one of worship and praise. And they didn't, they didn't do it spiritually. It was physical. Was it spiritual? Absolutely. But was there a physical side to it? Yes. They sang. They played instruments. You could hear it all over. 
Are you with me? I'm not trying to go deep. <laughs> That's his heart for us. He said, what is man that you take thought of him or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than God. You crown him with glory and majesty. You crown him with glory and majesty. Let me... Uh, I thought I had it in my notes, but I don't. Give me one second. <laughs> the word glory there is the kabod. It's the weighty presence of God. It's what happened when Solomon dedicated the temple, and it said that the glory of God filled the temple where the priests could not stand. They could not physically stand because the weighty presence of God was so strong in the temple. Are you with me? The kabod, the, the weighty presence of God. He said, I've crowned man with that presence. This is David under the Old Testament saying, this is how you created man. This is your, enti- your desire, your intent, your design. Is that man is crowned with glory. The weighty presence of God. Have you ever encountered that? I have. I'm encountering it right now. The weighty presence of God. It's tangible. God's interaction with man was tangible in Genesis. His desire today is to be the same. Now, I don't live from experience to experience, but I don't reject them either. We should encounter a living God. If I'm in a room and Dustin is my good friend and Dustin comes into the room he's, and we are good friends, do you think we'll encounter one another? Is Dustin going to stay on the other side of the room and just look at me? No, I hope not because that would really freak me out. He's a big guy. I can tell you what he's going to do. Because I know Dustin. Here's what Dustin does every time I encounter him. He'll come up, hug me, and he'll kiss me right here. Nine times out of ten. Is that true? Because he's this big. I encounter when Dustin is in the room, I know he's here. But we hope God comes in the room and we act like we can't know. It's Right? And God longs for us to encounter him that same way. He came and he walked with us. Look, I, he even upped it. I've said this before. Not only are we on earth and we have authority on earth and we're crowned with glory and majesty. And we'll look at majesty in just a moment. This is how God sees it. This is our position right now. But we're also seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not ready to go there all the way today, but I've been really meditating on John chapter 8 where Jesus said, I am light. In the beginning, God, there was darkness covered the earth, and God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Science, even today, we're not talking about the Bible. Science, even today, says that universes continue to expand because light is continuing to go out. Because he didn't say light be here. He said light be. 
So light is continuing to expand. Light travels at 186,000 miles a second. That's 11 million and something miles a minute. That's how light travels. Light itself has energy in it. Jesus said, I am light. He said, when he left, tag, you're the light of the world. John 14, 12, the works that I do will you do also, and greater than these will you do because I go to the Father. So he said, I, that light that's in me, that, that energy that's in me, and that's in Ephesians, that's in Colossians. I said earlier, when, Jesus, when the woman touched him, that was power. When dunamis went out of him, it was power. But uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, where it talks about how God raised Jesus from the dead, it was the working of his mighty power. It was the energy of his mighty power. Light produces energy. You don't believe it? Just go see Nathan after service. He can help you. He installs solar panels on your roof that produces energy to run your house. Okay. Jesus said, I am light. I am the light of the world. In the beginning, the first thing God did, he spoke light into existence. He released energy into the into the atmosphere, into the world, and he hasn't stopped. This God that through speaking created what we see, said, I created you as speaking being. And I desire, my desire, my intent, my design has never changed to walk with you. So he is light, he is life, he's seated in heavenly places, we're seated in heavenly places with him. So I believe that God desires in his original design to encounter us in a very real and tangible way. And not just him come to us, but us go to him. If we're seated in heavenly places, Paul went up to heaven. John went up to heaven. We see through the, New, through the Old Testament that them getting called up to heaven. We see them being in, engaged with angels of light. And the word says in Hebrews that his angels are ministering uh, Ministers of fire, is that right? Can be translated light. I, I just lost it. But they sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. So God's original design, desire, was to encounter us. But we've reduced it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, don't be carnal and act like mere men. We are not mere men. We're not just humans hanging out on earth until God comes and rescues us. His original design was to commune with us, and, the, and he gave us authority on the earth. That never changed. And here he said in, in Psalms 8, what is man? He, you made him a little lower than God. You crowned him with glory and majesty. And the word majesty there, it literally means splendor. Or honor. So God put his weighty presence on us and his splendor and honor upon us. That's how we were created. Why should we walk different than that today? Why should we accept less than that today? Why should we accept less than just a 
intellectual assent to a God who lives in heaven and not an encounter with a living being who loves us and gave his life for us. Psalms, he said, you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him the rule over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. (laughs) All right. I'll freak you out a little bit, and it's okay. You don't even have to agree with me. All right? Because I don't even know everything I believe about it. I just believe the scriptures. Are you with me? So here's what he said. You crown him with glory and honor, and you make him rule over all the works of your hands. Right? Where are your fingers? It's not a trick question. Where are your fingers? They're on your hand. Let's jump up a few verses. Verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, which are the moon and stars which you set in place, who am I? Why do you think David was in awe? Because he said, you created man to rule over all of it. So what does that mean? What's the work of his fingers? The moon, the stars? Yeah, that's right, Shelly. Sun, light. He said, I've cre- God created man to rule over all of that. The works of your fingers which are on your hands. So we should have dominion in the stars. What does that look like? I don't know, but I know what the scripture says. That this is our authority. is not just over the little birds and the little animals and all of that, which we don't even have right. Romans 8 says creation is groaning, waiting for sons of God to awaken. waiting for sons of God to awaken. Creation is looking for us to look like who we are. And I don't think it's just the birds and the cats and the animals and all of that. I think it's creation. According to his scriptures right here, it says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you ordain, which you set in place, what is man that you take thought of him, the son of man that you care for him, you made him a little lower than you, And you crown him with glory and majesty, and you make him rule over all the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. Jesus was triumphant. He put everything under his feet. Ephesians says that all things have been placed under his feet. But it also says he's the head and we're the body. Where are your feet? This is a little anatomy lesson today. Where are your fingers? They're on your hands. Where are your feet? They're not on your head. On the bottom of your legs, right? It's what meets the ground. We're bipeds. We walk on twos eventually. We've got little ones that use all fours still, but they're getting it. But he said that you've put everything under his feet, under man's feet. This is God's original design and intent. So we can walk around and be proud and puff our chest out? No, because creation's looking for it. Humanity is looking for it. They're not looking at how eloquent our message is anymore. Because here's what I know. I look and I see people in New Age. I see people, psychic readings. They're tapping into the spirit realm and being much more effective than us. And if the counterfeit is working, how true is the real?
But what do we do in the church? God is love. He's in heaven. We love people. And everybody's going to come to know God because we love them. Jesus went about teaching, preaching, healing the sick. He went about manifesting the kingdom that he said he was from. And he said, in essence, tag, you're it. I've gone, so now you're here, and this is what you're supposed to do. It's not a position that we strive into. It was his intent, his design, his desire from the beginning. To do what? To walk in encounter with us. Abraham was called a what? Friend of God. Did Abraham talk to God? Under the old covenant, Abraham talked with God. Abraham even reasoned with God. Moses told God to repent. Did y'all read your Bible? He said, God, you need to change your mind. Moses said, God, your people. They got out, they started rebelling. God said, Moses, your people. He said, eh, they ain't my people, they your people. You got to deal with them, they your people. <laughs> this is... His design and desire, we see it throughout the scriptures that he's always dealt that way with us. But we've become so spiritual and so mature that we think that it's all just ethereal. It's all just up, it's all up in the air. It can be, you can feel goosebumps and stuff like that, but you can't really encounter God. You can't talk, he can't manifest himself to you. Why have we bought that lie? Why have we settled for less? And that's why the world hasn't seen the true manifestation of the sons of God. If you read Ephesians chapter 4, we, I've said this not too long ago, we hang our hat on the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But all those are, the purpose of those gifts are to get us into mature sons. So the goal is not to be one of these. The giftings are to get us to identity, to walking in the reality of manifesting. And here's what I'm watching I'm watching God awaken people. And that's the terminology I'm using because it's not that you don't know him. It's not that you're dead. We've just been lulled to sleep. Like Paul said in Corinthians, we've been acting like mere men. And God rebuked me on Monday. <laughs> you know, I was talking to a friend the other day. This was a couple of weeks ago, one of my pastor friends. He said, I purposely do not take Mondays off because I would quit. Because on Monday, you think about Sunday. And if you're just at home all day with nothing to do and that's what you're thinking about, you'll quit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> I don't even know why I went there. I just totally lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Somebody help me. Oh, Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic. No, that wasn't it. See God manifest. Yeah. I don't know where I was going. But God's original desire, design, and intent is for us to walk in relationship with him. God rebuked me on Monday. That's where I was going. Because we have a, a perspective of how we think things should go or we get disappointed in, in things and we get our eyes set on that instead of recognizing who he is. And that no matter who messes up, fails, or gives up, his design, his desire, and his intent is still the same. And I can choose what I'm going to partner with. 
I can choose where I'm going to set my attention and what I'm going to partner with. So as I began to meditate on Psalms chapter 8 and see, you've made him a little lower than God. You crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over all the works of your hands. <laughs> now, let me go back. Because he said this, you crown him with glory and majesty. And the word crown there, it literally means to surround, to encircle, and to give a crown. <laughs> to encircle, surround, and to give a crown. Now let's, let's just, I'm going to be spiritual right now. But if someone walked in the room with a crown on their head, do you think you would notice it? I mean, you'd be like, especially in our day, in this building, you'd be like, that's a grown man. He got a crown on his head. Can somebody help him out? I think he's a little confused or stressed or strained or something. He's walking around with a crown on his head. It literally means to crown. But if we believe the word to be true, and I believe that we do, the Bible says that's how we are seen in the spiritual. He's crowned us with his glory, his weighty presence, his splendor, his majesty. And when we recognize it, I think you can see it on others. You can see, I can see the glory of God on people. You know when I see it? When I'm attuned. When I'm attuned to the frequency of heaven, what God is saying, what God is doing, I can recognize in others what he's doing without them saying a word. You ever walked in a place of business and <clears throat> the person behind the counter working or, or there or somebody you meet in, you just see the glory of God on them. And you know what happens? If you acknowledge that, you know what it does when you honor it? It makes room for more. If you don't believe it, the next time you see it, engage with the person and watch what's happened. You know what will happen? I promise you. You know what will happen? Jesus will manifest. He may not physically show up and stand right there, but his presence, that kabod that you are crowned with, will begin. That weighty presence of God will begin to manifest. And you know what happens? You start awakening. The more you connect to his life, the more awake you become. And what I'm seeing in my life is not through striving, it's through awakening. It's through honoring what I see. I don't see like I want to see, but when I see, I honor. When I encounter, I honor it. I just say, Jesus, I, I acknowledge you're here. I acknowledge what you're doing. And what it does is we start getting more and more awakened, and we start looking more and more like the sons that we really are. Last week, I, I shared a little, I think, but I was uh, away at a friend's at Mark Tweeney's. I was down with Mark Tweeney for a few days, and on Wednesday night, he's just started having young people come to his house. I say young people, it's 20-something to 20-somethings. Uh, I think the youngest was around 18 up to like 23 or 24 years old. There was like 22, 23 young people there. And earlier in the day, he said, you want to share tonight? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm going to share, but sure. So I just spent time that afternoon just in his presence, just meditating on him. And uh, when they, these young people came in, there were 
one that played the guitar, one played the keyboard, and about six or eight of them sang like my goodness sang. And found out that they're a part of some, at their college, like the Glee Club at the college, you know, like the movie Glee, the singers and the dancers and all that. That's them. That's what they do. <laughs> and they were there and they were singing. And they weren't just singing, they were connecting with it. And as we were worshiping, Mark just said, he said, the Lord dropped this in my spirit, so I'm going to share it. He said, I think there's someone here dealing with depression. These are a bunch of 20-somethings, and one was bold enough to say, yeah, it's me. I've been dealing with it. And we just spent time to pray for that one person. And you know who showed up? Guess. Guess who showed up? You know why? Because we took time. We didn't have a program. We were there as sons to manifest the sun. We were there as lights connecting to light. New age isn't going to steal our words. Okay, amen, oh me. As I've said, anything you see in new age, you see in fortune telling, any of that, anything you see, that's a copy of an original. And we've been scared of it for so long. Oh, that's, no, don't touch that, don't do that. And they've stolen so much because we've reduced re- relationship to God to religion, really. We've been really good at saying, oh, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. What's your relationship? I said a prayer, and one day because of faith, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'll see him then. But right now, I just pray a lot and hope a lot. Not you guys, though. We started praying, and Jesus started manifesting in the room. And you know what else happened then? No one had to work up a prophetic word. These kids, you know, the majority of these kids came out of Baptist churches and still are in Baptist churches. They just come to Mark's house. You know why they come to Mark's house? One, he feeds them. But two, there's nothing religious about what goes on. He loves them. And he allows Jesus to manifest. You know what's happening to these young people? They're awakening. They're waking up to the reality of who Jesus really is. And that this thing that they've been passionate. I mean, I'm talking about these guys. They're in like young life. They're in all these programs at school that teach them how to be a good Christian. But when they come to Mark's, and you know what they have? They encounter the person. They're not just learning about him. They're encountering him. And these young people who've never given prophetic words... Start sharing prophetic words. So we're there, and this one, we're praying over this one person who's been dealing with depression, and their friends didn't know it. So we're praying over them, and this young girl beside me, she's praying, and when I put my hand up, I put my hand over hers like this, and I'm praying, and her hand is hot as fire. So I, my hands are on fire, and we're praying, and I feel the tangible, weighty, pres- the hot heat of God, like right now. My ears are burning, my neck. That's not a pat you on the back. It's just a reality of his presence. So I'm praying, and we get through praying, and some of them are talking and everything, and I pull her aside, and I said, "Uh, did you feel your hands? She said, yeah, I got hot all over. I had had a, a blanket on. I was freezing. She said, I got hot all over. I said, that's the presence of God. That's the tangible presence of God. She said, what? I said, yeah, when you yielded yourself to him, you were pouring, he was pouring his love out of you over this person, 
person. And when you did, the energy, the power of God affected your physical body. She said, I'm sweating now. She said, that was what? I said, that's the anointing, the tangible presence of God. She had no idea, but she knew it. Are you with me? She had no idea what was going on, but she knew something was happening. She didn't have language for it. But you know what happened? A son of God was there and was able to lead her into understanding. And that's not patting me on the back. I just know. I'm, know, I'm growing in knowing what it is to be a son of God. <laughs> so I was so stirred up. Some of the kids, they were so stirred up, they didn't leave till like after 11. And Mark eventually said, look, guys, y'all got to go. I got to go to bed, y'all got to go. <laughs> but they encountered something so real. And it's the person of Jesus. And you know what happens? You awaken. And I believe that our life should be a series of awakenings to the reality of who he is. Because he said in John, and I'll stop. I won't stop three times. I'm going to stop for sure. He said in John, it's imperative, depending on what translation, it's expedient that I go away. Because if I don't leave, Holy Spirit can't come and live in you. God in us. You don't have to go far for an encounter. He's in you. Win-win. He said, I have to go because Holy Spirit is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to reveal all truth to you. And he said, Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples, said, there's a lot of stuff I want to tell you, but you can't handle it yet. But when Holy Spirit comes, he'll reveal it to you. You know how that happens? Awakening. That realizing that God's not up in heaven. And Jay shared this, so I'm just going to reiterate what he said. Jay went through a place not long ago, a month ago, where he was, after knowledge, 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 he was going to figure God out. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he was going to figure God out, so he had all the answers to all the questions, and he knew God how to, he, he, had, he didn't have him in a box, he had him in a book. And the Lord spoke to Jay and said, if you want me to stay in the book, I'll stay there. Right? But I'm bigger than the book. John said this, if everything that Jesus said and did were written down, the world couldn't contain the volumes. The world. 24,000. The circumference of the world is 24,000 some, something miles. It couldn't contain everything Jesus said and did. Do you think it's important we have Holy Spirit? So that he can reveal? Absolutely. His desire, design, and intent for us has never changed. And here's what I also know. When you start glowing, people will start asking. That's right. He sure will. He'll do the little things that he'll do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. When you start glowing, you say, glowing, Moses did.
Jesus did. So who are you? I'm sorry, that's a different scripture. Let's stand. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word, for your truth. I thank you, God, for awakening. Awaken, awaken, awaken us. Awaken our body. I thank you, God, for this journey of awakening to who you really are. To seeing God, being able to encounter you and to see others awaken and encounter you, God, is what I live for. And I thank you for your amazing love for us, for each one of us. And Lord, I just pray over this body, those here, those watching. God, I pray over this body that that awakening is happening, that we're attuned to the frequencies of heaven, the voice of God in us resounding out of us. And God, I thank you that we are lights in the world. I thank you, God, for your glory and your honor that you have crowned us with that hasn't changed. So, Lord, if in Acts, they could be in one accord. Nathan spoke of this about a, a position of unity. That same sound, that same frequency, that same power of God flowing in and through us. Lord, if they can be in a building and the building be shaken, God, I believe we can walk in a room and it shake, physically shake, and that the glory can be so strong, so bright in the room that people walk in and know not just feel, but see the glory and the manifest presence of God. Thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for your great grace that's been poured out upon us. Thank you, God. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.